Hey everyone, welcome to our last episode in the 2023 I Love to Read Challenge here on the Practicology Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast series based on John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. If you've been reading the book along with us, please remember to email us at info at practicologypodcast.com by midnight on March the 5th, and we will enter you in for a draw and a prize that we will hand out. The prize could be one of our Practicology Podcast t-shirts, which says Forgiven across the front. Uh, It could be uh, a book off of our recommended reading list. But as I've said, March the 5th, we do just want to give you a little bit more time on that. If you're working towards the end of it and it's hard for you to make the March 5th deadline, I'll tell you what, take a couple extra days. Just let us know. We will do the draw on March 10th or 11th. So we would love you to finish reading that and to get all you can out of the book. As this is our final episode in the series, Mike, it won't come as a surprise to anyone listening that we're going to finish by talking about heaven. Well, it shouldn't come as a surprise anyways. Uh, And we should appreciate the challenge Bunyan faced as he wrote the final chapter of the book. Uh, I mean, we, we all know how the book's supposed to end as soon as we start reading it. We know that Christian is headed for the celestial city. We, we know he's supposed to end up in heaven by the end of the story. So no surprise there. And so as a writer, how do you write this chapter in such a way that heaven doesn't come across as a major letdown? Yeah, that would be a challenge for a writer. I'm sure it was for Bunyan. But thankfully, he seems to be a bit of a literary genius, and he was skilled enough to pull it off so well. Let me pose a bigger problem to you, though, Mike. Christians may have a hard time admitting this, but I think it's true that some Christians have a little worry inside that heaven itself is going to be a bit of a letdown. We don't know what it's going to be like there. Never mind whether some book will leave its readers feeling dissatisfied when they read the last chapter. What if the ending of life itself, even life for the Christian, is a bit of a a letdown, less than what we think we should expect it to be. Yeah, well, as you say that, my mind uh, is going to a story I read about in Dodge City in the wild, wild west. Uh, I think Salvation Sam was preaching revival in in a saloon in town when Mysterious Dave, a cowboy named Mysterious Dave, he decided to run a hypocrisy test on Salvation Sam and his converts. And so he pulled his gun out and he started firing shots with his gun and he finds out Salvation Sam wasn't so eager to go to heaven after all. (laughs) And uh, well, we're not living in the Wild West anymore, at least not in that Wild West. But I do know what you're talking about, Matthew. Uh, as a boy and as a teenager, I knew heaven was, was going to be wonderful, but that didn't mean I was in any hurry to get there. I thought, what if I go to heaven before I get my driver's license? What a letdown. Or what if I go to heaven before I get married? What a letdown. Or uh, even what if I get to heaven before I get to be what I want to be when I grow up? And, and that would be a letdown. So, yeah, I I thought in each of those scenarios that uh, heaven would be a letdown, a a disappointing ending to this life. Well, thank you for sharing that honestly, Mike. But what about now, now that you're a little bit older and more mature, have you grown out of that thinking? Well, it's very gracious of you to say I'm a bit more mature now, Matthew. Uh, and, And I suppose I could rummage around in my head a little bit trying to answer that question, but... I'm not going to. Um, And by the way, I'm I'm not even suggesting that reluctance to leave this life for the next life in heaven is bad. Uh, Not at all. Even Paul, with the hard life he was called to live um, on this earth, he felt the tug of heaven on one hand, but he still felt the tug of, uh, of need 
to keep going in ministry in this life. That was, uh, you see that in Philippians chapter 1. And so, there, in a sense, there was a bit of a reluctance on Paul's part even uh, to, to leave this life and go on to the next. But, but what I will say is, I know for sure I'm a lot more hungry for heaven now than I was 20 or 30 years ago. And part of that, I think, comes from reading passages in the Bible about heaven, and, and then also chapters in non-inspired books about heaven. You know, the, the scenes in The Last Battle by C.S. Lewis, or some of the stuff by Tolkien in, in The Return of the King, uh, or even Paradiso by Dante, uh, as you read these things. By even non-inspired writers, uh, we find our appetite for heaven growing stronger and stronger. And, and then, obviously, John Bunyan's book here has helped me as well develop an appetite for heaven. And so now um, I would say that if I ended up in heaven today, I know, I know that I wouldn't have the slightest feeling of being let down at all. And are you with me on that, Matthew? I'm with you on that. You know, heaven is still a bit of a, a mystery to me in, in the sense, well, we haven't experienced that. We don't know exactly what it's going to be like. But I think a couple things I think I've grown in my confidence in God with the knowledge that He won't let me down. And uh, sure, just the, the hardness and difficulties at life of, of life at times and frustration with our own sinful selves make us long to be like Christ and with Christ and beyond the struggles of this life. Yeah, well, I, I get you on that. Yeah, the uh, I guess that's part of the difference, right, from being a teenager to being an adult, and in my case at least, as you do experience a bit more of the hard knocks of life and uh, the internal struggles, and uh, and that makes heaven far more alluring as well, as you say. Yeah, and you have said that Pilgrim's Progress has helped you to long for heaven more as well. It's amazing how many surprises Bunyan has for us in the closing pages of his book. What would you say we can appreciate in this last section that will help us anticipate heaven? Well, I just want to make a quick correction first, Matthew. I didn't say Pilgrim's Progress helped me. I actually said Pilgrim's Progress uh, helped me. This reminds me of an ongoing debate with one of my daughters, but I can never remember actually which side of the debate I'm supposed to be on. So I, I, I maybe haven't even said it the same way through all of our podcast <laughs> uh, series on this, but thank you for the correction and keep going. Not at all. I, when we get to heaven, we may find out that uh, you were right and I was wrong. Anyways, it really won't matter. Um, so yes, how can uh, Bunyan f help us here um, anticipate heaven? So three or four things. Number one, we will not be let down by what's missing in heaven. We won't be let down by what's missing in heaven. So let's just come to the end of the book here. Christian and hopeful, they enter a country called Beulah. And to be honest, it's a pretty sweet place. You know, the, the birds are singing, beautiful flowers, total safety from giant despair lovely walking paths and gardens. It, it kind of conjures up in my mind images of some places I've been in England. And Christian and Hopeful are so full of desire and glory, it literally hurts them. Like they are sick with joy. And we could think, well, what's wrong with this? You know, how is this not heaven? And Matthew, let me ask you, why isn't this heaven yet for, for those two pilgrims? Well, I'm sure there's a couple answers to that. Um, one of them must be that it has a river in it that doesn't belong in heaven. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, there is a river in heaven, according to Revelation, uh, at least the imagery there, but but that's right. Um, this is one of John Bunyan's surprises. It, it's amazing, actually. 
We all know we're going to die, but death still has a way of sneaking up on us. And Bunyan manages to capture that surprise. Uh, he, he writes so skillfully that when the pilgrims do come to the river of death, it really startles us. So just picture this. There's these two pilgrims and they're getting closer and closer, really excited as, as they, they get closer to the place they've been traveling to the whole journey. It's just around the corner and they quickly scramble on until they can see the very gate of heaven right before them. But then, right before the gate, what? Who, who put that river there? It's dark, it's deep, it's swift. There's no bridge over it. There's no tunnel under it. There's no way around it. They're a few feet from the city of their dreams. But before they can get to it, there's one more obstacle blocking their way. It's the river of death. And I wonder if that brings a second surprise to our eyes, to a reader's eyes, because it may initially catch us off guard as to how terrified Christian is of that river. For Hopeful, it doesn't seem to be too bad. He, he gets through with firm confidence, and we think that's how it's supposed to be for all believers. Death is just a, a peaceful parting. But for Christian, he's, he's almost swept away by despair in this river. And we know why he struggles so much, because two angels explain to them before they cross the river that the depth of this water depends on their faith in the king of the place. Hopeful crosses easily because his faith is firm on Christ, but Christian nearly sinks because his faith is attacked. Yeah, attacked is exactly the right word. Uh, Satan has attacked Christian many times during his pilgrimage. He's the one who probably sent worldly wise men. He sent Apollyon in that, in that big battle. Uh, he, there's the pressure in Vanity Fair, the torture of giant despair. And then towards the end of the book, uh, there's the flatterer who catches Christian in his net. And then, when poor Christian ventures to pass through the river, Satan makes one final, vicious, all-out attempt to bring him down. And it says that great darkness and horror fell upon Christian. And, and the poor Christian, he can't see ahead anymore. He can't see the city. Thoughts of Christ, thoughts of the gospel are no comfort to him in this trial. All he can think of is his sin and his guilt. He, he's certain now. He's feeling certain that he's not a Christian after all. God has forsaken him. Christ has no place for him or welcome for him. Mm. Thankfully, Hopeful is there to help him and tell him the truth in Christ. And Christian withstands this brutal attack and he shouts with a loud voice in the language of Scripture, as Bunyan does throughout the book. He says, Oh, I see him again. And he tells me, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. Yeah, I just love that line so much. And... And they crossed the river, uh, representing death. And it says the enemy was as still as a stone. And then shortly thereafter, Christian and Hopeful enter heaven. But, but do you see what Bunyan is showing us here? We can be going through the sweetest times of spiritual tranquility in our walk with the Lord in this life. It, it can be so sweet, it can feel like heaven on earth. But that's still not heaven. Why not? Because even the sweetest moments in this life are threatened by death and can be violently disturbed by Satan. And I think Bunyan is showing us that a major part of what's so precious about heaven is, is what heaven is missing. You know, Beulah Land has that river, but in heaven, when you truly get to heaven, there's no more death, there's no more guilt, there are no more attacks or enemies left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, heaven would not be heaven if those things were there. 
John puts it this way in Revelation 21, verse 4. I think we've cited these words recently. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So heaven will not let us down precisely because of what it's missing. Death will no longer threaten us, praise the Lord. Satan will no longer attack us, praise the Lord. Guilt and depression will no longer plague us, praise the Lord again. And all of God's children can say good riddance to those things. <laughs> yes, amen, amen. In fact, a few years later when Bunyan wrote part two to Pilgrim's Progress, uh, he, he has a character called Mr. Despondency. And it's hard not to think of the little men and little Mrs. books when we, when we encounter these characters in Bunyan. But, but as you can imagine, Mr. Despondency, he would have struggled a lot with inner darkness and depression. You know, with gloomy feelings and lots of melancholy. But when Mr. Despondency crosses the river, he says a wonderful thing. He, he, he's looking back and he says, Farewell night, welcome day. Farewell night. Welcome day. Brothers and sisters, it will be no let down at all to discover that death and darkness and depression and struggle will be missing forever from heaven. What a wonderful thing. So that's, uh, that's the first thing is Bunyan shows us heaven won't be a letdown um, because of what's missing. These terrible things about our life now are forever missing there. Wonderful. So number two, Bunyan says the welcome we get won't be a letdown. The welcome we get won't be a letdown. I remember very clearly my first ever visit to Chick-fil-A as a poor Canadian. Uh, I never got to go to Chick-fil-A until I was well into my 30s. I still haven't been there. Oh man, Matthew, you're, uh, you're in your 40s and you still haven't been there. Man, well, you've got to get there sometime. Maybe you and I can both go. But, but I had heard a talk by the founder. I was really impressed. I'd read about them, heard about the warm welcome you get and the amazing hospitality for a fast food restaurant and so on. And so I was pretty keyed up when I went to Ohio and got to go to my first Chick-fil-A. And you know, I was not disappointed. It, it lived up to the hype, but at least the first few visits I made. And, and sure enough, when I said thank you to the staff, they all said, you know, my pleasure. And the sandwich was amazing. The chicken actually looked real. And don't even get me started on the waffle fries. And partway through the meal, the manager came around to every table and uh, asked us how we were doing. That was pretty impressive to me. Now, that's a fast food restaurant. But think about heaven for a minute. The hospitality in heaven is legendary. It will not be a letdown. I learned recently that every time we go somewhere or meet people, we're scanning for something. We're scanning, am I lovable here? Am I accepted here? Am I welcome here? We, we do that. We, we scan for these things. And so let's watch Christian and Hopeful as they leave the river of death behind them and they begin walking up the slope toward the celestial city. And just imagine them scanning heaven, scanning the horizon. Here's this legendary place. What will the people be like? Will they be warm, welcoming? Will we be welcomed here? And so let me read to you what happens next. It says, Then the heavenly host gave a great shout, and there came out also at this time to meet them several of the king's trumpeters. I'm going to skip a few words here. They made loud, melodious noises that made the heavens echo with their sound. With shouting and the sounds of trumpets, these trumpeters saluted Christian and his companion with 10,000 welcomes. After this, they surrounded them on every side. Some went before, some behind, some on the right, some on the left. 
continually making majestic sounds as they went, with melodious noise and notes on high. To anyone looking, it would have appeared that heaven itself had come down to meet them. And so they walked on together, and as they walked, the trumpeters mixed their joyful music with looks and gestures that signified to Christian and hopeful how welcome they were in their company. They never stopped telling them how glad they were to meet them. As the two pilgrims approached heaven, it seemed to them that they were being swallowed up with the sight of angels and the sound of their melodious music. And it was then that the city itself came into their view, and they thought they heard all the bells in the city ringing to welcome them. But above all, they had warm and joyful thoughts about living there with such a company, and that forever and ever. Oh, by what tongue or pen can their glorious joy be expressed? And so they came up to the gate. Yeah, sounds exciting, and my mind goes to the words of Second Peter 1, 11, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, isn't this what we're looking for? Just before recording, I, I uh, watched someone kind of walk through a, a very popular music video at the moment with like, I don't know, several million or billion views or something and and he was pointing out this is what we're all looking for we're looking for a place where we belong we're looking for a family in which we're accepted and uh, Bunyan is saying you know what when we come to heaven we will not feel let down we will not feel disappointed by the welcome of heaven there will be a rich entrance there will be a warm welcome continuous affirmation this is where you belong this is home uh, for you. So, uh, we'll not be disappointed by what's missing, we'll not be disappointed by the welcome, and then thirdly, we'll not be let down by the wonders of heaven. The wonders of heaven will not disappoint us, and I'll just make this point uh, uh, quite briefly, but again, as they're uh, heading up to heaven, they're escorted by these two angels, these two shining ones, and the pilgrims ask the angels, they say, what must we do in the holy place? What must we do in heaven? And of course, that's a question a lot of us would like answers for, isn't it? Um, what are we going to do in heaven? And the shining ones, they answer, and I just love this, they say, you must, they said, what must we do? Well, the angels say, you must receive, you must receive the comforts of all your toil and have joy for all your sorrow. You must reap what you have sown, even the fruit of all your prayers, tears, and sufferings in your journey for the king. In that place, you must wear crowns of gold and enjoy the perpetual sight and vision of the Holy One. For there you shall see him as he is. There also you shall serve him continually with praise, shouting, and thanksgiving, him whom you desired to serve in the world, though with much difficulty because of the infirmity of your flesh, and so on. I think Bunyan is letting us know here that there will be no boredom in heaven. The pilgrims want to know, what must we do? And, uh, and the answer is a list of wonderful, wonderful things that we must do. We must be comforted. We must have joy. We must receive the reward of, of all that, that we've done. And, and here, uh, for the first time in our life, perhaps, there will be a perfect alignment, a perfect correlation between what we most want to do and what we must do. No longer will service be in any way a duty or a drudgery, but all that we must do will be the very thing we most want to do. Excellent, Mike. That's encouraging. 
And uh, I think there's a, a fourth one that you two are thinking about, and that is, we will not be let down by the Christ of heaven. You cited earlier that reference to Paul in Philippians chapter 1 when he was torn between two, but he does say in that, you know, how he longs to be with Christ, which is far better. Or the language of 1 Corinthians 13, uh, you know, we will, we will then be known face to face. Uh, it's exciting. I, I often think of the experience of Thomas as he falls down before the Lord Jesus after seeing the marks of the cross in him, and he says, my Lord and my God. And it will be a, a glorious revelation of Christ to our hearts, to our eyes. And in Bunyan's text, he has the gates of heaven opening and Christian and hopeful going inside. And he says, then I heard in my dream all the bells in the city ringing out for joy. Then Christian and hopeful were told, enter ye in into the joy of your Lord. Yes, amen, Matthew. Thank you for adding that fourth one. We will not be let down by the Christ of heaven. You know, each of us is born into this world and uh, as just a newborn baby, we're, we're routing around, we're looking, we're looking for uh, a face, a face that will look back at us. And, and um, I think that actually the face that we're ultimately looking for at that moment, but, but all through our life, we're, we're looking, we're routing around for the face of God, the face of Christ. And it's so lovely to think in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 there that we will come face to face with our Lord and Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says uh, that it's better to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And, and that's where we'll be. We'll be home with, uh, with the Lord, looking into his face. And that face, that experience, will certainly not be a letdown. Amen. So thank you, Mike, for sharing these thoughts with us. Heaven will not be a letdown because of what's missing there, because of the welcome we will receive there because of the wonders that we will experience there and because the Christ of heaven that we will meet there. Thank you, Mike, for this. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and going through Pilgrim's Progress with us or Pilgrim's Progress, as the case may be. We hope the series has been a blessing to you. And if you need a few more days to finish off your reading of it, that's fine. But please get your name into us at info at practicologypodcast.com. In the next few days, we plan to do the draw the end of this week. Uh, next week, we're going to have a, a guest host on the program. Stephen Grant from Scotland will be joining us. We're looking forward to that and hope you can tune in again. May the Lord bless you all. Amen. God be with you all. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>